Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ, and you can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. I count on one thing. The same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley.
When darkness tries to roll over my bone When sorrow comes to steal the joy I When brokenness and pain is all I know oh, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. What chained along has a place to hide. Cause I am not a captive to the light And I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Let's go, church! Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My feet doesn't stand a chance
Well, how are you, church? Good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you on this Labor Day weekend. For those of you I haven't had the privilege of getting to meet yet, my name is Andrew Irwin. I get to be one of the pastors here at the Vine Church, and I am excited because college football is back. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Can you raise your hand if your team is still undefeated? All the hands for undefeated teams. That is awesome. Well, I'm excited that I get to be with you on this Labor Day weekend. And if you're a first-time guest, you might be going, do they always talk about college football? No, we don't always talk about college football. And if you are a first-time guest, I do want to just say a special word of welcome to you and let you know you did pick a phenomenal Sunday to join us here at the Vine Church. That's because today is a family worship service. And that means that the energy and the excitement and the enthusiasm is through the roof today. It also might mean that the squirming is through the roof. And we want you to know that we are over okay with that. Because here at the Vine Church, we love kids. In fact, we invest very heavily in the next generation, and we call it next-gen ministry here at the church. And that consists of our kids who kids, as well as the Vine youth. And, and like our staff and our volunteers are like all in on our kids. They will do just about anything to help connect them to the heart of God, which is why, for example, like, you know, Josh and Ken were willing to dress up like Mario and Luigi. We got a picture of that. Yeah, Mario and Luigi, we'll put that on the screen. I think we have a picture of that. There we go, yeah, so that's pretty awesome. It's also why our youth pastor, Pastor Pedro, was willing to, you know, dye his beard red, which is pretty amazing there. It's also why I may or may not have a countdown going on until next year's Camp Kidzu. It might or might not be 273 days away. I might or might not be excited about it because not only do I get to teach Bible studies and tell Bible stories to a group that is like fired up, like I get to come out and people yell, it's awesome. I don't know why you guys don't yell on Sunday mornings, but they yell at Camp Kidzu, it's really cool. But the thing I love most about Camp Kidzu is actually getting to worship with our Camp Kidzu kids. They're, they're awesome. Like they go after the heart of God with reckless abandon and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I'm, to be, I'm gonna be honest with you, I talk about our church a lot. Like uh, when you're a pastor, you hang out with a lot of other pastors and I, like, I'm the annoying pastor who's always bragging about you guys. Like I, I, I talk about you all to all of my friends and some of them sometimes ask me, they're like, hey, um, you talk a lot about you know, kids who kids and the vine youth. You talk about next gen ministry a ton. Like, why do you invest so much as a church in next gen? And my, my short and patent answer is we're all in on next gen. It sounds good, doesn't it, right? We're all in on next gen. And they go, why? Like, why is it such a big deal for you? And I, I'm going to share with you the answer I share with them. The first is kids matter to Christ, so they matter to our church. Kids matter to Christ, so they matter to our church. In fact, in the ancient world, like most people didn't put much of a value on kids at all. Like if they couldn't bring in income, they were just another mouth to feed in that day and age. But Jesus had a different stance towards children. In fact, he would welcome them and he would bless them. And when his disciples tried to stop parents from bringing their kids to Jesus so that Jesus could bless those kids, Jesus put those disciples in their place. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say, like, if you, want to, if you want to know what the kingdom of God looks like, he brought a child into their midst, right? He was really trying to teach them. In fact, in Mark 9, 37, he says this, whoever, reach, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so what Jesus is saying is by welcoming kids, we welcome God which is just an aside, if you, if you really want to have more God in your life, welcome more kids 
into your life. And if you're looking for a good way to do that, you can always look for opportunities to serve in our Kids Do Children's Ministry. It's an incredible opportunity for you to make a kingdom impact. But that's just the first reason why our church is all in on next gen. The second reason for us is because the kingdom belongs to kids. The kingdom belongs to kids. I don't know if you knew this, but there's actually no age limit on the kingdom of God. Like there's not, you don't have to be a certain age to step into God's kingdom. Jesus already told us that like in in order to get into the kingdom, we need to be like a child. Here's the problem. I've met a lot of Christians who believe that their entry into the kingdom of God is dependent not on being childlike, but by being childish. And there's a big difference between being childlike and childish. Like childish is when you make everything about you and how awesome you are. Childlike is when you make everything about God and how awesome God is. See the difference there? Like when you make, like when you're childish, you go ahead and you just say, hey, you know what? I am so good that I'm gonna be able to get to God. When you're childlike, you go, I I could never be good enough. And yet God came to me. It makes all the difference in the world. And so we've got to grasp this together that we, 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 all of us need to become childlike. And some of you go, well, what's the value in becoming childlike? When you become like a child, you get closer to God than you could ever imagine. And we actually see that happen all the time in our next gen ministry. In fact, at our last baptism Sunday, we had eight kids from Kidzu and students from the Vine Youth who were baptized into the faith. And the two questions we ask every person who is baptized are the same. Do you profess faith that Jesus is the forgiver of your sins? And do you trust? Do you trust that you will allow Jesus to lead you all the days of your life? Is he your Lord? Is he your savior? And what we know is from, all, from those eight kids, as well as all of the other kids who have made the decision to profess faith in Jesus, we know that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in them. And I'm just gonna let y'all in on a secret. There's no such thing as a Holy Spirit junior. Like I know some of y'all, like you guys thought it was super cute that the kids came up here and did their little motions and they were singing and they were dancing. It really wasn't cute. <laughs> it was Christ-like. Like, like that was the Holy Spirit in them leading the Holy Spirit in you to the heart of our Heavenly Father. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we get to see. Like, like every child who's had a moment where they've professed faith in Jesus, in that moment, what took place is not only were their sins forgiven, but the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside of them, which means that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in them. And so we've got to pay attention to them and we've got to invest in them. That's why this morning, like, I want, to talk to, I want to talk to the church. And, and so let me put this out there. Like, I don't want to talk to the parents and hope that the kids will be quiet. I want to talk to the church and not the church of tomorrow, the church of today. Because anybody who is in Christ is a part of the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk today. And I'm excited about the message that God has kind of laid on my heart for this morning. And so if you brought your Bibles or have a Bible app, we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, um, I just want to let you know a little bit of context. So uh, Ephesians chapter 2 is a letter written from a pastor named Paul to a church in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus would be in modern day Turkey. Could you imagine if you were from Turkey? That would be a bummer, wouldn't it, kids? I mean, you'd have to you know, 
tell people you were Turkish. I don't know. It just doesn't sound good to me. But so Paul had to write a letter to the people of Ephesus. And this city was a really interesting city. It was a huge city. And it was super religious, like, like very, very deeply religious. And in fact, if you go through history, you'll discover that like a lot of the Greek and Roman gods were kind of based out of Ephesus. Now, Paul upon arriving in Ephesus, did everything he could to explain to them that those Greek and Roman gods were just made up, that they weren't real gods. In fact, there is only one true God. And the way to get to this one true God was by placing your trust in the son of God, Jesus Christ. And Paul did an incredible work in Ephesus. The church grew and took off and and people's lives were eternally changed. And in fact, like this faith community made a drastic impact in that area. It was quite remarkable. And years later, Paul was actually imprisoned for proclaiming his faith, and he writes a letter back to this church in Ephesus. And that's what we're going to read from today. But it's important to note that before what we read today, Paul says something that's remarkable to the church in Ephesus. He tells them that before he got to Ephesus, that everybody there was physically alive, but spiritually dead. They were physically alive, but spiritually dead. And then he goes on to remind them of this truth from Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. This is what it says. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul begins with these words, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that's such a beautiful statement to make because what he's saying is that it's only by our faith in Jesus that we can be saved, that it is a free gift. Like there's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. There is no one who is worthy of this gift that has been offered to us, and yet all of us can readily receive it. And in our culture today, where it feels like you've got to earn everything with your own two hands, you, you've got to build it yourself, you've got to make it happen on your own, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the truth that the greatest gift of all time is something that we actually can't earn ever. And so I want to kind of have maybe a grace demonstration this morning. And so if I could get some help, is there anybody in the room who'd be willing to come up here and help me out with a little grace demonstration? I see a hand right here. Would you be willing to come up here? Yeah, come on up, my man. Yeah. Can we give it up for my man right here? This is awesome. Up top. Unscripted. In case y'all are wondering, that, that was not scripted. That was awesome, though. All right. So can you tell everybody your name? Nathan in the house. And can you tell everybody how old you are? Seven. Nathan is seven, right? Mm -hmm. All right, that's awesome. Now, I I would like to give you something this morning. Would you be okay with that? I have have here a Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Do you like donuts, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Yeah? (laughs) You look like you could use some more sugar. Don't you think you could use some more sugar? Your parents are going to love that, right? Yeah, absolutely. But before I give this to you, I want to make sure everybody's clear on what's happening here. Did you did you pay me for this gift card? He's like, did you ever give me money for this, like before the service? No? No, you didn't, right? Okay, good. I'm just making sure. So you didn't, and did you like do any work to earn this? You did? (laughs) What kind of work did you do? No, okay, no. I was like, if you did, I didn't even know about it. Okay, so, so you didn't pay for it, 
You didn't work for it, but to get it, what do you have to do? You just have to receive it, right? That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? And grace works the same way because we can't, we can't like pay for it and we can't earn it. We just have to receive it. Nathan, thank you very much, my man. That is your, that is your like parting gift today. Yeah, next time I ask for volunteers, you guys are gonna raise your hand a little quicker, aren't you? Yeah, Nathan's gonna get him some donuts. It's gonna be awesome, all right? But the reality is, that's how grace works. Like it is a free gift of God that none of us can earn. Like our works won't work. Does that make sense? Like our works won't work when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God. We have to receive the free gift of grace that has been offered to us. And now I know some of you are going, okay, how can you compare the, like, the grace of God to a gift card? You're, that's fair, right? Like the, the grace of God is exponentially better than any sort of gift card could ever be. I mean, it's the greatest gift of all time, which sort of makes you wonder why it is that God would freely offer it to us. Like, like why would he make the greatest gift ever completely free for us? I'm glad you asked because in verse 10, he kind of spells out two reasons for us. The first that we see is that you are a masterpiece. In fact, verse, verse 10 begins like this, for we are his workmanship, for we are his workmanship. Now, that word workmanship in Greek is a little word called poema. Can you say that with me? Poema, it's where we get the English word poem. And this word poema means a unique, like a unique work of art. Like the idea is that it's a handcrafted, like beautiful creation that is one of a kind. Like that's what this word implies. And what God says is that we are his workmanship. Now, I I love that. I love that. Because in essence, we believe that God created everything, like everything. And he says of everything that he created, we're his workmanship. That, that, let's just put that in perspective. That means like the Northern Lights, like pretty awesome. Can we get that on the screen? Northern Lights. Yeah, that's, that's pretty astounding, but not as, not as masterpiece. All right, well, what about Mount Everest? Mount Everest, that's pretty remarkable, right? Like, that's, it's staggering. Like, if you're tracking in the news today, like, there's a huge line of people right now just trying to be able to get, try to go up to the summit because people want to say they've been there. I would argue they're maybe missing out because it's still not his masterpiece. All right, what about the Great Barrier Reef? Yeah, that is, that's awesome. Like, it, it's so beautiful. It looks fake. That's, that's the Great Barrier Reef. It's beautiful, but it's not, it's not his poema. It's not his workmanship. It's not his masterpiece. If you want to see God's masterpiece, just find a mirror. Or in 2019, put your phone on selfie mode. And you will see his workmanship, his masterpiece. Like, it's a beautiful, extraordinary thing to me. Now, recognizing that you are his masterpiece has consequences though. Because what that means is that the person sitting next to you is also his masterpiece. And the people you work with and live with and do life alongside, they're also his masterpieces. See, when you come to understand that you are his workmanship, you have to also come to understand that everybody you come in contact with is also God's workmanship his masterpiece. In fact, there is approximately 7 billion masterpieces running around the planet today because each and every person on this planet, 
Each and every one of them was created in the image and likeness of God, which means that God looked at all of his creation and said, it's not quite done yet. I've got another masterpiece to paint. It's an extraordinary thing that we get to do life as God's workmanship alongside God's workmanship, which is why when I continue to read the heart-wrenching stories of one of God's masterpieces taking the lives of other, peop- of other masterpieces, that it breaks my heart. The news again this morning was, was filled with tragedy over somebody who I assure you had no idea how loved he is taking the life of other people who I assure you he didn't know how loved they were. We've got to understand that when we say that we are loved by God, that we are chosen by God, that we are his masterpieces, that that defines the way that we act towards the rest of God's masterpiece that he is painting. Because not only are we individually masterpieces, but we're a part of a greater tapestry, a greater painting that he is putting together. And we want to do everything we can to encourage and support those who God loves deeply and dearly. And here's the second reason that I believe that God would freely offer us his grace. Not only are we God's masterpiece, but God has a master plan. Not only are we God's masterpiece, but God has a master plan for for you. In fact, verse 10 goes on to say this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. So you weren't created just to be God's masterpiece. You were created to do masterful things on behalf of the master. You were created to do masterful things on behalf of our master. Now, this is really cool to me. You see, that means that God has a plan for your life. He does. It means you were created on purpose for a purpose. See, he's got a good plan that will lead you to his good purpose for your life. See, for a lot of people, you, you assume that, the, that God's goal for you is just to get you into heaven someday, and it's not. It's not at all. In fact, if God just wanted you to get into heaven, then the moment that you committed your life to Christ and said, I want Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life, then he would have like beamed you up, Scotty, straight to heaven, right? Like you would have, you would have just disappeared and gone to heaven if that was the end goal. The end goal is not you getting to heaven, it's heaven getting into you so you can bring heaven here, See, you have a purpose and a part to play in God's master plan. And it's not because God needs you to do his work. I think a lot of people have this like, mindset that God is like a puppet master and he just is kind of controlling everything and wants everybody to do his bidding for him. Listen, listen. What God wants is for you to discover that you have a part to play because when you understand that, You have this deep sense of purpose and purpose changes everything, doesn't it? I know it certainly did for a young man named Lynn Howe. See, on May 12th of 2008, there was a massive earthquake that struck a, a, just a rural village in China. And Lynn, who at the time was nine years old, was walking through the hall of his little school there in the middle of this small village in remote China. And the earthquake just demolished the entire building. I mean, just devastating. And Lynn was actually knocked unconscious. And when he came to, he, he looked around and saw just, just unthinkable chaos unfolding as the building was cracking and falling and, and collapsing around him. 
Well, Lynn was able to dig through, to, through the debris and get to an exit. And when he found an exit, instead of going out to safety, he turned around and went and got one of his classmates and drug him out of the building and outside to safety. And you would think people would have been like, wow, that's incredible. Lynn then goes back into the building, digs through the debris a second time to get to another one of his classmates and drags her out of this just collapsed building to safety. And by the time he had gotten this, this second student out, like the first responders had begun to arrive and, and then news crews shortly followed and, and all of them started asking Lynn questions. And they're like, why, why would you go back in to this burning building, this collapsed, destroyed like pile of rubble? Why would you risk going back in there? And his answer was so profound to me. He said, it was my job. I was the hall monitor. It was my job to make sure everybody got out safely. See, Lynn understood that he had a purpose. And you need to understand that too. It breaks my heart when people go through this life aimlessly wandering from here and there, things, trying to do things that will make them happy. Listen, listen. The pursuit of your life shouldn't be happiness. It should be holiness. And when you pursue holiness, you'll discover a deeper purpose than you ever dreamed possible. And it's all because you're a masterpiece who has a huge part to play in God's master plan. And this morning, I hope in my, my prayer for you is that you would recognize that you have a purpose. And I know we've talked about this at the Vine for years, that all of us have the same general purpose, which is bringing glory to God. But you also have a specific, unique purpose that's a part of God's plan that only you can play. And my prayer is that you'll step into that unique purpose for your life because you never know who God's calling you to impact or maybe even rescue. And for those of you who are here this morning, you might be going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't know about bringing God glory. I'm just here because somebody offered to take me to Waffle House afterwards. Okay, listen, if that's where you are, get it. I want you to know we're glad that you're here. We really are. But if you're not interested in bringing God glory, it probably means that you've never met him. Because if you came to understand how great he is, how holy he is, how awesome he is, and yet how much he loves you, that he would freely offer his grace that was only made available through the death of his son on a cross, then I think, I think if you came to understand that truth for yourself, then maybe, just maybe, it would change everything for you. How great the cast that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your love and kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul 
the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven, the King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, hallelujah, praise the one who said, Then came the morning that sealed the promise. 